Hello and welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave. We are back this time around to continue some of our video game discussion. This time we will be talking about some of the games that we enjoyed playing in the year of 2021. My name is Zach, also known as Alias on various places of the internet, and joining me we have Katie. Yo, this is Lady Griffin on the, <laughs> the forums. Whatever that exist. means, I don't know. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In this in this time of the year 2021, and uh, we have Bing. Yeah, I, uh, I was once upon a time a shoe shiner, uh, and there once upon a time was a forum. Now it's all just Discord. Sounds like the start of an epic tale that I would love to hear. <laughs> uh, we also have Matt. Yep, I'm here too. Hey, what's up? And we have Xander, uh, also known as the Lord Baron. Cool. Thank you, guys. All right, so the reason I stipulated that it will be games that we enjoyed playing in 2021 as opposed to just games that came out in 2021 is that, you know, I, I don't know if that, like a lot of great games came out in 2021. Um, I think it was, for me, in my evaluation, one of the weaker years that I have seen in the industry of video games. And there's a lot of, obviously, understandable reasons why many games were delayed, why many games that came out, you know, just weren't exactly what we were hoping for. And all those things, the times we live in make it hard to do a lot of things. And I think one of the hardest things from a business standpoint is definitely the making of games, um, because it's just such a collaborative process that the ways that we've been working, the ways that we've been living um, make that difficult. And of course, just generally speaking, games have become harder and harder to make on their own, regardless of other factors. Games have just become a hard thing to create more so over time. So I guess I'm just curious, like, what are you guys thinking about this year in gaming in general? You know, it's it's been a year, you know, independent of the games themselves, that has been filled with a lot of, you know, controversy in this industry, a lot of things going on in this industry that are making people evaluate it as a totality and also evaluate the companies in it and the way they do business. So I'm just kind of curious, generally speaking, what you guys are thinking about uh, this year in gaming. I think we've moved Pat beyond cynicism towards gaming company and now just downright, uh, I don't know. Like there are certain companies these days that are, they, 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 a, lot, they, they, a lot of their problems have come to roost. I feel like this is a long time coming. I suppose, I mean, you could just put it out and open and say that's uh, Activision Blizzard, but also Ubisoft. Um, like the, the, their contra their so-called controversies wasn't just this year, right? It's yeah, it's a lot of things that's been building. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of things building on, and finally everything has been put out in the open, and finally they're they're actually facing some sort of consequences. Uh, and whether that whether the the pandemic has anything to do with that, I don't know. Uh, but I think it's good too that a lot of this stuff is out in the open now. Yeah, I think with that too is um, uh, a lot of the community is like we're not afraid to call out games and companies anymore. You know, kind of like stop taking it at face value and realize that you know if enough of us do speak up, they will you know fix the game or you know add or whatever kind of sort of thing. I think I'm always a bit wary if it's just like a game issue. It's like for example when. I mean, the first example of, of something like this, I can think of like fan backlash against a video game that makes 
that, that, that led to actually creative changes was Mass Effect 3. And I always have been wary about these creative decisions being affected. But that said, stuff like, you know, what happened with Activision Blizzard, that is something that is much more that, that, that needed to happen. The, 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 this is much more than just about video games at this point. This is about treating human beings correctly. And of course, that's something that has a very broad, um, you know, there's there's all kind. I'll just say, like, there's all kinds of different in- issues in this industry, right? And one of the main ones simply is is just the fact of like crunch, right? Like that's that's been such a huge problem for years and years. And I, I, I my concern, right, is that that issue has only become more exacerbated because of the games in some ways, because of the fact that these games are so complex, so big, um, have such requirement of high graphical fidelity and like all these things that, that people who play games have come to expect it, that, that element too, like, I'm not sure how that gets reconciled. Um, and I think like, as people who play games, like we need to like, like, I guess, like, either, like, be willing and accept the fact that, like, games, you know, especially the big ones, they take a long time to come out and just be okay with that and be open to that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a business and we're consumers. So we have, like, expectations as consumers that, that we get the, 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 you know, the thing that we're paying for, et cetera. I don't know. It's it's a whole complicated mire with that, not even counting, like, all the other stuff that's going on in the industry. So it's 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 tricky. Like, I'm not really sure. And I think I've mentioned this in previous ones. Like, I'm not really sure where that leads. Like, I think for me, what I would like is that, like, the way that we think about games changes where we don't feel the need to have them be bigger and more complex and more realistic with their graphics like to the point where we have to keep pushing that envelope i think that we need to think differently about what makes the best version of a game than that i think that's what i would like to see it would be nice (laughs) i I guess i I don't have much optimism about it it feels kind of almost like a, a, a dark mirror of kind of like the movie industry of where certain areas of the industry are unionized and are more carefully protected and some aren't and the ones that aren't are more easily exploited and that's not going to change until i don't know (laughs) until i don't know there's like a dramatic shift in how these things are put together um i feel like there'll be more like surf i don't know surface like optical improvements in how these games like present themselves on a pr level i don't have much hope about like the culture of the industry or people being like people not being exploited by a giant conglomerate <laughs> you know sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a very that's a very reasonable statement but i mean in, in I, guess, context. I guess like like a big enough failure can maybe change like what kind of games get made i do know that like bioware they completely like they gave the green light for that, like the next Dragon Age game to be like a single player and they dropped the multiplayer and they said, okay, we're not going to have it on multiple generations. We're only going to have it on next gen. And they eliminated a lot of the problems that were major issues for the third game. And it's like, that feels like it came out of them looking at other games that came out <laughs> in the past few years and gauging how they were received and the ma- like the massive issues they had upon release and said, okay, maybe We'll try something different this time in the hopes that it'll be better. So I, I don't know. I feel like maybe like the specter of like cyberpunk and like mm-hmm. these other games that kind of really screwed the pooch. Like that's that's something that would obviously change because it had a huge 
money, <laughs> like an impact on revenue, but like otherwise I can't imagine anything else changing the way games are put out. In my uninformed opinion. Sure. Well, it's kind of interesting to talk about it in the context of of the dreaded EA, Electronic Arts, who in relative evaluation, of course, they have many issues, especially with some of the Bioware stuff that, that we have talked about and, and will talk about. They have done many uh, negative things, but at least as far as being like a good workplace, I have never heard anyone say anything bad about about EA other than like the, the broader meta, like, I don't know, like structural, like how we want what kind of games we want made like on a micro level i've never heard anything bad like i even know some people who work there and of course it clearly depends on the particular experience of each individual but as far as like rating the different the different huge conglomerates they seem to actually be doing better than being the most evil hated company that uh that we once thought um but yeah i think uh i think it's interesting also in that particular case because they seem to have recognized, and of course this could change, this could be just PR, this could just be obfuscation, but like it seems like, especially with a game like Jedi Fallen Order, which came out a couple of years ago, I think they seem to understand now that there needs to be a delineation between the games as service, the games that are that are loaded to the brim with microtransactions, and that is their whole model. The sports games, the the uh, multiplayer games and things like that where people spend tons and tons of money and also the just the, the story standalone single player games and that those can also be profitable, valuable parts of their business. And I think we even saw that with the ever um, complex and evolving development of Dragon Age 4 where they were initially planning to make it one of those kind of games, a live service game, and now they're not. So maybe there is some hope there. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Unless there are any other thoughts on uh, on the general state of the industry and just the state of the just games that came out in 2021, I think we can jump into our roundtable here. Would anyone like to get us started with uh, a game that they really liked, that they really liked playing here in 2021? Uh, I'll go first. My game is because it came out last year, so it's not really a 2021 game. Uh, I was playing. I've been playing Hades since Thanksgiving and doing almost nothing else uh <laughs> it's it's like a nicotine addiction it's it's slowly killing me um but it, it's crazy i've never actually played a roguelike game before um and i had zero expectation that i would enjoy it just from screenshots and videos i watched uh and it's really amazing to me how fun this game is even when you're doing poorly at it um and i guess it's just like it keeps you hooked just enough. It gives you just enough in a, a reward and gives you just enough progress incrementally that you feel motivated to come back to it. And it also just plays beautifully. The feeling of just the weaponry and the boons and the different combinations and how luck plays a huge factor into it, like, like, and almost like in a gambling sense, like you feel like, okay, my combos weren't, or like my, my spread wasn't as good this time, but maybe next time like <laughs> the dice will roll in my favor. Um, and all, and the art is gorgeous. The characters are are well written, and I don't know. I'm having like a really good time playing it. I'm 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 stuck currently like on the third boss of the third area, but I'm I I'm feeling close. I was very close last night, and then my PS4 crashed, and <laughs> I kind of just deflated into my couch and <laughs> gave it the longest sigh of my life. Um, 
but yeah, I feel I feel good about it. I, I, I understand why this game was so well-beloved and well-received now, having played it. Uh, I'm basically, my all my time currently is spent trying to, like, get Achilles and Patroclus back together. <laughs> and then, like, trying to beat that boss yes. in there. It's worth it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I, it's not, I, I'm not a strategic player, so I really can't, like, talk about like the right way to play it or like the most enjoyable way to play it i've just been using the spear and pretty much nothing else because it's what feels best for me um but yeah i i I guess i would encourage like even if people even if you've never played like a roguelike game or a game like this and and or if you have any interest in it i would encourage anyone who hasn't played it to pick it up because i was kind of a naysayer i wouldn't have picked it up if it didn't come out on the ps4 I'd had zero expectation and it kind of blew me away and I'm probably going to keep playing it for the rest of the month in January and beyond. So yeah, this was, this was, I believe pretty easily my favorite game of last year. And I thought last year was a really strong year in gaming. So, so I don't say that lightly. I think there were a lot of options I considered, but it ended up pretty clearly being, being Hades as my, as my favorite. And it's for all the reasons you've said, and uh, you know, I talked about this on that last on that last podcast. So I'll try not to repeat myself too much, but I think it's just it's a perfect crystallization of the things that this game company does really well, which of course are things like music and art and all those things, and those are all outstanding, and those help make the game what it is. But they also really did figure out a gameplay formula for this that totally worked perfectly. And they also figured out how to present their characters and their story in the most fully fleshed out, really engaging, fun way, where, like you're saying, you're really compelled to, on each run, learn more and more about each individual character to unlock more of their stories and to, you know, help them to resolve some of the baggage that they have, right? Because there are a lot of connections between the characters that you also want to see come to some kind of fruition, to some kind of point of conclusion, which is really satisfying. And it's it's married to the, to the satisfaction you get from learning more about how you can make the most of these different boons, these different weapons, these different tools at your disposal in each run. And I think I think just everything about it works together really perfectly to make one of my favorite games I've played in recent memory. Um, I, one thing I'll add, I'll say, like, if you want to learn more about how this game came to light, I actually watched this year the documentary that was made out of it, which you can just find on YouTube and it's really just fun to see all the people that were involved in creating this and the journey they were on getting to this point and I think it's you know it might be out of school to say this based on a documentary which of course cannot be um, certain how much that reflects reality but I, I feel reasonably confident saying that this is really a triumph of like a just a really positive environment for creating games relative to some of the ones that we've talked about um, at the start there so in all ways, it's just really, really gratifying and positive to see something like this um, be made and be so successful, especially because while they had successes in the past, nothing was nearly as big as this. And I think that it's really just awesome. It's really cool for that reason. It also, it's just really cool to have another great game like this out and available. Yeah, it's. I can't think of any other game that's as satisfying as you... Like you get to an area that's been kicking your ass for for hours and hours and feels insurmountable, and then like within a few days, it's like you breeze by it and it like you feel like a badass. It feels great, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how the game worked really when I started playing it, and so 
I can remember like getting hung up on the very first area's boss, and after I beat her, I was like, oh, thank God, I never have to fight her again. <laughs> and, like, felt like this like sharp needle of despair when I realized like what the game actually was, but like only like only a little bit because very quickly it's like the progress is you feel it just enough to keep you hooked and coming back even as you get not frustrated because like I said it's like it's a it, it's a game that feels good enough and plays good enough that I never feel like angry or vexed that I'm dying but yeah I just got that first moment where I was like oh good this boss over I can breeze through this chamber when I come through here next time uh <laughs> not so much <laughs> I only feel bad when Hypnos negs me for dying. That's the only point where I feel bad. About it. God, he's g- giving me such shit for the Minotaur right now, and I'm <laughs> not taking it. Cool. Um, any other thoughts from anyone on Hades? I mean, yeah, like obviously, you know, as we talked about the last time, I also love this game, and like Katie hadn't really played any any roguelites before that, um, and had a, had a blast with this one. Um, you know, I think in terms of what you talked about with with how to play the game, it's really just kind of what weapon ends up feeling best for you. You know, for me, it was the the spear, you know, spear of Achilles and bow of Hera, I believe, is the the option that I liked. Um, and so it's always fun to kind of like test those out and figure out what what's works best for you. The yeah, with the Minotaur and uh, <laughs> what's his face is kind of the. The, f- the first major wall that people hit mm-hmm. definitely definitely took me a while. Um, so yeah, no, I, I mean, I had a blast with that game, and yeah, as as Zach said, like just Super Giant just feels like actually like one of those companies that that's like worth supporting, you know, in a hellscape of of other companies. Um, so that's all. It's always nice to see, and yeah. I listen to their soundtracks, you know, on Spotify. It's a great time. Yes, they do great work on every front of video game making. All right, so, Bing, uh, let's have a look at one of your games that you'd like to talk about. Okay, so should I just talk about one of them, or just go for it? I can just do one, and if we, we can probably go around one more time and see if anyone okay. else is. Okay, yeah, so I, can, I think the game I actually... Enjoy playing the Moses Return to the Obra Dinn. Uh Return all of the Obra Dinn, sorry. Uh, which is not, which is what, 2017 game, I think. Um, this is made by, uh, made singularly, uh, basically, by this guy, this guy Lucas Poe, who also most, uh, most famously made Papers, Please. Um, and so this is, I think this is probably one of the best sort of mystery detective game I've ever played um, in which you sort of played this uh, 19th century insurance agent for the British East India Company uh, to, to inspect a ship that uh, essentially a ghost ship uh, that had just suddenly showed back uh, showed back up uh, in Britain uh, in which you have to go and investigate how everybody on the ship died uh, using some magical ghost watch uh which despite that there's some weird magical uh bullshit going on um and some and later on you come to discover there's a lot of weird fantastical elements um the actual deduction part is actually extremely both extremely 
uh, logical, but you also require you to pay a lot of attention uh, to details. Um, and there's and there and what I enjoy the most about it is that there's actually different ways you can go about it. You can pay attention to, for example, the uniforms of the all the people on the ship, and try to try to keep try to use that as a means of trying to distinguish different people on the ship. You can use their uh, you can use their accents or their their languages that they speak uh, to distinguish them. Um, this is a, because this was a a nineteenth century ship of the British East, in, in, in East India uh, Company, so it has a multitude of people of different nationalities and different uh, or different just English accents on the ship. Uh, and just overall, it's it's a, it's it's a very unique experience. And, it, both, it makes you feel both very smart and very dumb, both at the same time. Which, uh, and unfortunately, it's a very hard experience to recreate uh, on a second playthrough. So, it's this is kind of one of those one and done games, like truly one and done games. But, um, but experience the experience of playing it was excellent. I don't know, has anybody else played this game? It's it's, it's an pretty old game, so. At this point, so, so I have not. When, when did it come out? Twenty seventeen, I believe, or twenty eighteen. Is it is it just like PC or? Uh, just P, it's just PC. It's on Steam. Twenty eighteen. So very for us. Uh, yeah, very nostalgic nostalgic graphics. If you just take a look, you can even switch it around to which old school uh, computer interface you would like it to be. Uh, looks, like, looks like it's actually uh, it is on PlayStation Four and uh, Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So if, oh. yeah. if you are of the console persuasion, then you are welcome to play this one. Yeah, I actually I literally was just gonna start this game really soon. I have it installed, which is rare for me because I hate having things installed. I am looking forward to playing this, and I think part of that is hearing how much you enjoyed playing it, and I think that, in general, I really enjoy how games can kind of give us sort of like a a playground sort of like it, like forensic kind of process. I really just enjoy games that can simulate that experience, and I think it, it looks like a really good iteration of that sort of thing. I really, you know, like there's games like, um, oh, what's it called? The Game Rave to... F- what is that game called? Where you have to like look through all the clips and figure out what happened. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but any kind of game where you have to, um, any kind of game where you have to like look through the evidence and draw conclusions and put it all together, I really enjoy that. And that's actually, you know, that's rele- relevant to one of the games that I want to talk about today. I think that's just one of the fun, stimulating ways that that games are particular compared to other different genres of media. And I am looking forward to trying this one. I think it also seems like it has just a really good kind of tone and atmosphere to it. Can you can you speak to that aspect at all? Oh yeah, um, it, it 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 the way and and it's amazing how much uh, how much uh, Lucas Pope again. Basically, this whole game basically created by a single person. Uh, how much he was able to sort of uh, how much he was able to build the the, the atmosphere of to recreate the atmosphere of what was happening based on just still a still image some some short vocal lines um and uh and, and that's and, and that's and that's basically it uh and really good music um 
then he's able to sort of really bring you into like in, at the moment of all the crazy stuff that was happening on this ship. Um, and, and, and one of the, my favorite things that I experienced with this game was just the, the, the slow, the, the one by one reveal of what exactly happened and how, 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 how more and more ridiculous it got, uh, over time. Um, I mean, the, the overall story, I don't know if it's, a, I don't, I don't know if it's an amazing story. Uh, it's a fun story. Um, it, uh, but the, 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 the scene by scene, uh, reveals are some of the, like, it's, uh, I don't think I've experienced something like that before in a video game. So. And a lot of the fun I imagine is in putting the, the pieces together, right? Like just putting it all together and how it fits. Mm-hmm. Although that can be also be frustrating. Uh, sure. it's, it's, it's hard to figure out sort of, a, sort of an optimal way to play this game. Um, and I think it really depends on, it depends on, uh, uh, on your own, uh, I guess, how your own brain works. Um, uh, so so, so the, actually, you know, it may depend on uh, which part of the game you actually enjoy more. Sure thing. Yeah, so the game I was flailing to mention, by the way, was uh, Her Story. And I also like, you know, one of my favorite games is Gone Home. And it's the same kind of thing where, like, I really enjoy the process of just like puzzling, like putting the puzzle pieces together of, with using like forensic clues and things like that. And this sounds probably like more advanced relative to that. But I think it'll still be scratching that itch. So I look forward to trying it. All right. Um, how about Xander? How about you talk to us about a game that you've enjoyed this year? Um, so I haven't. I haven't really bought a new game in a long time, um, especially with like how this year um, we were talking about it, just very underwhelming in terms of releases. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm always, uh, always kept a playthrough of Kingdom Come Deliverance going. Um, I'm sure everybody knows what that is, you know, medieval, medieval RPG set in Bohemia in the 1400s. You start off as a a blacksmith son who can barely hold the sword um and through the story and the progression you kind of build up your skills um i absolutely just love this game i think it's it's a beautiful game it's it's well made especially for a newer studio um i don't know i can't sing a high enough praise for it um especially now because it's been out since 2018 um, so there's all the bug patches and everything. Um, so it runs really well. I have it on my base PS4 and it still runs great, looks great. Um, and they have all the DLC. Um, I don't know really what to say about this game, except kind of if you haven't yet, uh, definitely, definitely check it out. It is well worth the money and time. So I've unfortunately not played this yet. I actually really want to. It's again one of the games sitting on my library that I've been meaning to play for years, but I have I have not done so. So I guess I guess I would ask you. I you know we've talked about this previously, but I don't think we've had you on to talk about it before. So I'm curious, like how you would describe like the core like thing about it that really engages you. So like, is it the story of it? Is it like I don't know, like what aspect of the gameplay, if anything, like really like gets you invested in what you're doing. Like, I'm just curious, like, what is that like thing that jumps out to you as the thing that in particular really makes it special as a game? Uh, pretty simply, like just just the story and setting. Um, I mean, we're all here from a Game of Thrones.
Jones or Song of Ice and Fire, so we're all pretty well interested in that, I think. Um, but I, w- I would say it's a combination of, like, the setting and story and just the gameplay mechanics. Um, I found a lot of the time when I first played it when it came out, um, it actually just reminded me of, like, those old-school single-player RPGs. Um, so even though it was a brand-new game, it almost there was almost a nostalgia innate to it um you know kind of kind of reminds you of like your first time playing um dragon age origins or 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 similar rpg styled games like that um i don't know how they did it they just really from the second you pull the game up you already are immersed in in the world they created for it I think that's what I've what I've sort of you know by osmosis learned about it most is that idea that that it's very immersive. So what are what are like the things that it kind of does to make it feel more like you are you are deeply invested or immersed in this in this setting in the world that maybe some other games don't do as well. I think that would come down to their more unique um, gameplay mechanics. Um, I think one of the most popular thing most people talk about is. Um, like the combat, because um, it's very unique. Um, it's got a very um, hard learning curve, I would say, if you're not familiar with it. Um, but I don't I, like all, a lot of the mechanics you'll see in like pretty much any RPG of this day and age. Like you gotta manage your food and your tiredness and stuff like that. Um, or even your gear upkeep and stuff like that. But I, I just think what makes it really worth it is you can play a dozen different times and have a dozen different kind of characters because of what you're choosing um, like to do. Like, you know, if you want to be like a knight in shining armor and have full plate and use a double-handed sword, or you want to do a kind of more stealthy archer build, um, even even the fact that you, because you start off as a peasant and you don't know how to read, that is a skill you can learn in the game. Um, it's just just very very well done how they put all these you would think minute mechanics into it, but they really help make it both more believable and more enjoyable. Right. So it really is a simulation in the truest sense, where you feel that you can with the tools the game gives you really define who your character is and it's uh, yeah i can totally see how appealing that that process would be right to to really like level up different skills and like see the rewards and the gratification you get from becoming this particular kind of person and seeing you especially like you're describing you start as like a you know like a lowly peasant without skills and you can from there you can chart a path to being something very different yeah i i totally get how that would be appealing on its own, but I think it works particularly well with this kind of setting, right? Like that sort of zero to hero experience is really appealing in this kind of fantasy feudal medieval thing where, and I guess this isn't fantasy technically, but you know, it, the, the sort of thing where you can uh, really define your course in that and to, to live out, you know, for us, at least it's a fantasy to experience that kind of lifestyle. I totally get the appeal of that. And I think I really should play this game. Yeah, you definitely should. I think they too, um, have one of the more interesting um uh, what is it called like games plus kind of thing like after you beat the game um there's a hardcore mode you can do 
and pretty much like the hardcore mode is you know it takes away your mini map um takes away your hud um, and then you can choose all these different perks and there's even you know a trophy you can get if you beat hardcore with all the negative perks but the perks are interesting because like it'll be like one of the perks is you sleepwalk so you'll go sleep save your game and you'll wake up in a different location you got to figure out where you are you different stuff <laughs> like that that's and funny. I just found that was like one of the more interesting ways to make like a game plus mo- mode to make it even more interesting and fresh. And if you conquered this hardcore version, fuck no, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Sounds hard, like depriving you of all the the HUD and all that stuff, especially in a game like this, like you're saying, where you can very easily just die if you're not managing all the systems properly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, again, really need to play that game. All right, Matt, how about you share with us a game that you enjoyed this year? Sure. I think kind of, you know, basically I was just going to, like, talk a little bit about kind of three different games. They're really the, the, the only three I've played that were technically um, released this year. Um, I mean, besides Far Cry, but you know, that's, that's what it is, what it is. Um, but I think kind of probably in terms of, you know, an actually really good game that came out this year, it's, it's Resident Evil 8. Um, and I played both 7 and 8 this year. Um, and frankly, just had a blast. Um, you know, I didn't have, didn't have a PlayStation growing up. So these are, these are the first Resident Evil games that I've played. Um, and it's been a, a lot of fun and and convenient that they kind of did like a, a soft reset with seven, so it was an easy um, jumping in point for me. And surprisingly, between the two, I think I like seven a little more than I do um, eight. There are, you know, there's still little things that that there's some like minor um, mechanics that annoy me about the games, um, but overall, it's a uh, uh, it's a really fun experience that I've had. Um, you know, I, I play a certain way where I tend to uh, tend to play with with guides because kind of one of the annoying mechanics is um, the the bullet sponginess of some enemies and and knowing when you're supposed to fight and run away um, because not knowing that with the mixture of of uh, ammo restrictions really that really bugs me. Um, that type of stuff. Um, so I just kind of, <laughs> I look up stuff to just avoid all that so I can just kind of, you know, get through the game and um, develop my strategies and execute them um, without feeling like I'm wasting my time. Um, but yeah, just like the the atmosphere of these games and um, kind of the, the storylines with, with Ethan, um, who's just kind of a, a great, just blank face protagonist that you can kind of uh, um, embody. Uh, I think it's really, really clever what they, what they managed to, to do with that um, in terms of having a playable character. And, um, and yeah, just, just had a blast with the progression and, and various uh, bosses and more and more crazy weapons. It, it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, this is a franchise that I've I've really fallen in love with in the last couple of years. It is a very weird, strange franchise with a lot of twists and turns. Um, but overall, I really just enjoy the hammy, cheesy horror that is Resident Evil and all the crazy characters that we have in this um, in this franchise. And I also just you know, it's interesting to hear you say that uh, that you don't like the ammo mechanics because to me, like that's actually my favorite thing. In, I, in I like, yeah, I like the restrictive ammo mechanics. I don't, I don't like wasting my bullets against enemies I'm not supposed to be fighting. Sure, yeah, and it's definitely helpful to to kind of know that in advance, and that's one of the reasons why these games, you know, in a lot of cases, work really well as something that you play over and over again, and you kind of refine your strategy and your approach to it so that you can be as sort of optimal and efficient as possible. Maybe that's not how everyone likes to play it, but I actually really enjoy that in some of the best games in this mm-hmm. in this series, to because it's just very gratifying to kind of learn how to how to approach every situation in a really effective way and to, you know, shoot the right parts of the zombies, et cetera, use the right gun at the right time, that kind of stuff. I think all those pieces of it are really, are really just satisfying again. Like that's just something that I, I find really fun. Um, and I think resident evil eight is a really good addition to that sort of concept. It's really crystallizes a lot of the really good stuff about about the franchise just the idea of like exploration and finding all these different you know shortcuts different routes through the sort of central hub of the area that whole process is really appealing and of course it also presents this kind of theme park of all these different kind of types of horror that are really fun to go through and to experience and to do these different parts of it and put all the pieces together and then uh, go through to the end and i think i just it's just a fun really fun enjoyable game it has a lot of you know cool new additions in terms of both the uh the villains that you fight and also sort of the storyline that it's trying to present and uh yeah i really i just had a great time with it i just I, I i will gladly go back to it um when there's more dlc added to it um and when just generally i feel the urge to go back and to experience that again because i think it's the kind of thing where i will step right back into it and have a great time again um, because of what I've been mentioning about how it's just kind of fun to figure out the environments and to make the most of them. I, I will ask you, so so why would you say that you liked uh, Resident Evil 7? You know, I think we'll try to be spoiler or spoiler free here relative to mm-hmm. the sort of plot elements, which I guess I, I don't think are that important <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, for yeah. this franchise. But uh, why would you say that, uh, that 7 was better than you for 8? Uh, I think, I think it's just kind of the, the atmosphere and progression I probably liked a little more. Um, and the fact that, like, the two main difficulties, I mean, it's, it's one of the best hard modes I think we've seen in a long time, um, with Resident Evil 7 in terms, because it's not just upping, you know, changing numbers around here and there, which is what 8 does. Um, but no, it, it it changes the entire layout of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and, huge, right? Because that yeah. is the game, right? Is knowing where things are and how to approach the different areas in a, again, like in an in a effective way so you don't get killed. Yeah. And, and yeah, it takes away just because, yeah, there, there, there's some bully, bullet sponginess in, in 8 that gets that can get pretty obnoxious. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend going into the super high difficulties of eight. I, I just think it's pointless. Um, so yeah, that that's probably overall. 
and and I don't know, man. That that final song gets me every time <laughs> as the credits roll. <laughs> uh, I love that song. I just sing it randomly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that. I love that song. Um, yeah, I think I also I would also say that I like seven more than eight, and I think it is for a lot of the reasons you're saying. I think just generally speaking, it's it's kind of a more inspired game because it really did revitalize this franchise. Like Resident Evil Six was a mess. Like trust me, <laughs> this game is a fucking mess if you haven't played it, and it really spiraled the franchise for a long time because they they didn't really know what to do after that. They just kind of went too far into one direction, and and it really uh left people kind of lost of what this was anymore. So Resident Evil 7 really, really changed things in a really positive way. And a lot of that is because of the atmosphere, the tension it provides. It's a genuinely scary game, which most of the, frankly, most of the games in the franchise are not. Like, I, I, I to be fair, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a pretty weak soul when it comes to scary stuff, so I'm not the greatest barometer of this, but I was terrified, especially at the start of this game. I was I was totally totally scared, um, and Resident Evil Eight also has scary stuff, but it's not really to the same kind of like I don't know like it doesn't like get into your bones in the same way that it does for Seven. So I would say it for that reason and for lots of others, I think it is better too. But Eight is still a fantastic fun game, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from here. I've also really enjoyed um, if you haven't played these, Matt, I would recommend them. The remasters they've done of the uh, old games; those are very good games too. So if you yes. Yeah, I mean, I've I've looked into them, and I'm not. It, they just have some some stylistic choices that I'm not really that don't interest me as much. I th- I think the one I would play is is four when they eventually when release they that. Right. Yeah, fair um, enough. But fair yeah, enough. like yeah, it's the yeah. I have no interest in in running around the the Mr. T guy or whatever he is. In, <laughs> And three and three is just like shortened, so I have no interest in that. Um, sure. And and the the one is I feel like a little old, isn't like inter- even for like a remaster. I don't. It know. is old. It was the remaster for that game was released on the same two thousand two. But actually, for me, that's my favorite game in the franchise, and okay. I played that like last year. So it's not like I played it at the time it came out. Um, yeah. And I for me like it's for me and again this might not be what you look for in these games but for me it's the perfect crystallization of the so-called survival horror experience of having to like go through these environments and learn the layout and backtrack and be really thoughtful about how you use your ammo and where you go i find that whole experience again like i really like puzzles right so it's kind of a puzzle in its own way to figure all that stuff out and to put all the pieces together but it has the uh, tank control. Well, it doesn't have tank controls, but it has the um, the, the forced angles where, like, there's the single yeah. angle. You switch to the other room, and it's a completely different one, and it's very awkward to get used to at first. But once you do, I think it's perfectly manageable. But yeah, yeah that's, that's something I didn't mention. I, yeah, I, I really like the the first person of, of 7 and 8. That's, that's Which a is big thing for the, for the genre, yeah. for the, uh, franchise, so... Yeah, no, I, th- I think the only other thing I'd say was was just kind of reiterating your um, your comment about kind of like the the tone and and the style of the games, which is like they they know what they are and they really understand the assignment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's that's huge. Cool. Yeah, I I love these games and I, I'm looking forward to continuing on this uh, this enter the survival horror journey as they keep making stuff. Eight is the one with the tall lady, right? Yeah, eight, eight is eight is the step on me, mommy. <laughs> yes, she is. Want to just comment just for that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will say, like, that was such a weird particular thing about the marketing for this game, just how much that aspect of it just, like, exploded in the general consciousness. <laughs> like, I liked it. But it was she's funny. only there for, like, a quarter of the game, right? Right, yeah. yeah she's, too. she's not, like, the main villain. She's just, like, one of the, among all the different villains. Yeah. But she she's became... The first, yeah. She's the she first became, boss of the four. <laughs> right. She became, she became the focal marketing. point, though, which is, yeah, it's kind of a cool, weird thing that happened. It's very kinky. This yeah. is true. This is true. <laughs> All right. So with that said, um, let me go ahead and talk about uh, one of the games that I played and enjoyed this year quite a lot, which is a game I think it originally came out in 2019. I'd have to check that. It was either 2019 or 2020, but Disco Elysium. This is a game that people have probably heard of. It's a game that gets mentioned a lot, but it's one of those games where people are like, yeah, that Disco Elysium, I should really play that. They never play it. Because it's not a game that seems fun on the surface. Um, so just to give context on this, generally speaking, so Disco Elysium comes out of the tradition of games like Planescape Torment, these kind of like text RPG games that are very focused on sort of progression, exploration, character, and kind of like learning more about who your character is through the process of playing it and just going through these kind of like isometric maps and experiencing all these different scenarios that you encounter throughout and learning more about the world and the place you're in. So it's very much born out of that tradition, but this is not like a fantasy, high fantasy kind of setting. I say I would say like if I was to like put it into a genre, I guess it would technically be some form of science fiction, but it's basically set in like what we would understand to be the past it's just kind of an altered past um so it's set in like the 50s i would say like that's the kind of proxy of how we would view it but it has all these different things like these different sort of like fantastical or like steampunk i don't know like what word you'd use but like all these like different things that we don't have um and it is for that it is a really really cool fun setting i i thoroughly enjoyed getting to know the world and you will have plenty of opportunity <laughs> to do so there are mountains upon mountains of dialogue options and text lines and things that you can do to learn everything that you wish and you didn't wish you knew about um about this place the city you're in which is named revishal and i think i i can't remember what the like overall world is i think they just call it elysium um, but it's a super interesting and fascinating setting if that's a thing that uh, that excites you to learn about it, just like a created environment um, and a created uh, place and time. I think it's really satisfying on that front. But for me, the, the, the core thing that makes this game really cool, the thing that really sets it apart is how it uses you as, as the character you play. Um, as kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a personality test, right? Like, the, so the way that the game lays itself out for you is you play this detective, you play like, essentially you start out, you play as a, as a beaten down drunk detective who once you start the game, he has, he has gone on such a bender that you have lost your whole memory. So the process as you navigate through the whole game is you kind of reconstruct who you are as a person from the jump. So this is not a new thing in video games, right? The concept of a character like having amnesia and having to either figure out what their hidden past was or just like figure out who they are is a very established trope. But it's really, really well done in this case. It, it really, really gives you great tools to really kind of define who 
this character is going to end up being. And of course, like it's not full freedom. Like there are there are aspects of their backstory and just who they present as that are going to be immutable. But you have you still have so much freedom of like how you're going to present yourself ideologically, how you're going to present yourself practically. So again, you're a detective, and the thrust of the game, the plot of the game, the thing that will motivate and animate your actions is that you have to solve a crime, which to me is essential to what makes it work, right? So if this was just like a simulation where you're just walking around and talking to people, it would be pretty boring. And I can understand like even what I'm saying might sound boring because it's it's pretty much entirely, the gameplay is pretty much entirely communicated through text boxes, right? It's a very old school formula where you, you know, go through the dialogue tree and you have, roles that you can make right so you have like different rpg stats that will influence whether or not you might be successful um in different sort of like you know attempts to either like persuade someone to give information or you could even you know in some situations fight them <laughs> like there's all kinds of different uh approaches that you can take on, on all the different uh, situations the game will present to you but you have a lot of freedom on that front to define the stats and the character in that way but also just how you talk like how how you ideologically align yourself so i'm sure that people that are familiar with this game know it has a lot of politics you know built into it it's definitely interrogating a lot of different sort of ideological like social political modes of thought and it's what i like about it is that it's critical of all of them (laughs) it's critical of everything and and even stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think about like for me the thing that i was interrogated on in my little personality test was that like, you know, like generally speaking in my life and I'll just like, you know, say for myself, I sort of like align in kind of a very center way. And the game is just as just as mean about how that's a bad thing as anything else, which I really appreciated about it, how that that can be as destructive as any other form of more radical philosophy that it's also trying to show off. Um, and I thought that was really appealing. I thought that just the every I don't know. It, it, it's the kind of game for me, like where I like I still think about it, even though I played this months and months ago. And I I think about the the setting, I think about the characters, I think about all that stuff. And you know, it's it's it, it has the risk of like being like packed with kind of like pretense and like oh yeah, Disco Elysium, right? It's got it's got this amazing writing and all this stuff. Like it it can easily sound like it's like it's kind of overwrought. And just silly, like how far it's going on that front. But it's really not. Like it's really just a good, fun experience. And I think for me, the uh, the detective part really helps to uh, helps to give it kind of a grounding. And it, it's all just augmented by all the other stuff, where you're really just impressed and amused. I would say by all the different sort of like um, I don't know, like winding turns that the uh, both the characters, but also your own brain take you on. So in this game, like your own brain has all these different, uh, I guess because of how messed up a person you are, uh, it, it has all these different like aspects of your personality that will talk back to you and they may, they may make you do things you, you don't want to do and all that kind of stuff. And they all have their own distinct personalities uh, and they will uh, let you know about them. So that aspect of it too is really fun. And just in all ways, like, it's really, like, a really ideal RPG for me. Like, this is, like, the kind of thing I look for in an RPG that can kind of stimulate all the, on all those different uh, all those different fronts. So I've been talking for a long time. I hope I haven't bored everyone too much. But, yeah, Disco Elysium, that is a, a really good game. Any uh, questions, thoughts on this one? <laughs> like you said, it's on my list. <laughs> right, yeah. What's no, yeah, I, I, I sympathize. What's it on, Zach? 
is it also just PC or is it? I don't think so. Hold on. I think it is on other stuff. Just because you yeah, had that, that game that Bing mentioned, I might literally like <laughs> buy in a couple days and try out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on everything. It's on all this stuff. <laughs> the way you describe it makes me think of Kentucky Route Zero, of like highly esteemed game that nobody played. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've also played, but... <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, I, I, I played that once all the... Finally, once all the parts of that were out. Um, and I, I enjoyed that, too. Um, I think this is more of a game than that, I would say. Like, this is really, truly an RPG Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that is much more sort of atmospheric, um, just straight, you know, dialogue. Like this actually has kind of like nitty gritty gameplay, mm. um, in terms of like stats and all that kind of stuff. So I'd say it's more of a game. It's more fun, more fleshed out than that. I, I really like Kentucky Route Zero as well, but this is this is more of a, a video game. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's cool. Like I I would say like it's it's not as like pretentious or whatever as it may seem to be. I think it's just a it's a cool game and it's really appealing again to kind of define who you like I guess sort of like Xandra like you were talking about with Kingdom Come Deliverance of course it's a very different context but it's the same kind of kind of impulse where you really want to define who your guy is. Um and it's it's gratifying to do so and just the it's Truly, like, you know, I, I really don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a uh, exaggeration to say it really does have really, really solid writing. And I think like it's just fun to appreciate that for itself. All right. I will uh, move on. <laughs> um, Bang, how about you take us through another one of your games or a couple of your games that you you liked? Uh, these are more just quick heads. I don't know. Um, I don't know how much I like both of those these, but I mean, they were I mean, I'll talk a little bit more about Persona 5 Strikers. Uh, I definitely enjoy that a lot more. Um, so this is the, I guess this, this is actually the full sequel, in a sense, to Persona 5, except now in, uh, in, in one of those, uh, whatchamacallit, those, the Dynasty Warrior style, uh, bunch of enemies suddenly show up to, and you have to kill all the style of games. Um, Yep. It's a very biz- it's a very bizarre blend of the the, the, the warrior style games and original persona uh, type. So uh, the 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 it's I think after you play it like a few times you get used to it, um, but the concept is still still sounds weird to me. Sure. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, it it uh, compared to the original Persona Five, this is, this is much more of like a I guess a fluffy sequel, where you it's you 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 want you want to play this because you like the characters and you want more interactions. Although noticeably, one very important character is missing in the sequel, um, since it is technically based on the original Persona Five and not on Persona Five Royal, um, and um i think that i like the new i like i actually really the, the i think the best part of the story of persona 5 striker is one of the new characters and and, and their family situation i guess that's a the spoilery i can get for that uh that that was the, the best part of the story for me otherwise it's kind of it's kind of like um discount persona <laughs> So, uh, but the characters are still fun. Uh, you get to see them interact a lot more, especially some of the characters that uh, didn't get a lot of time in the original game. Uh, 
uh, now get a little bit more, um, and you get a lot more interaction between the team. So yeah, it's more Persona Five. Um, so yeah, we I think we yeah. have a lot of Persona Five fans on the call here. So wow. <laughs> so has <laughs> anyone else played this or is interested in playing this? No. No. I mean, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's interesting, fun. right? Because I, I think, like, for me, like, uh, the thing with Persona 5 that makes it sort of a, such an endearing game, among many things, but I think the main thing is the characters, right? Is getting invested in them and wanting to spend time with them. So it's kind of interesting that, that when presented with the opportunity to do so for more, we choose not to. I just think that, I don't know, it's interesting. I, don't, I mean, I just have, uh, I, I guess I, I just have, uh, like, Persona 5 is, is an RPG game to me. And, like, if I wanted to play Dynasty Warriors, I would play Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing. It's just, it's too different. <laughs> you can just watch it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> is that red-haired girl in, in the game, the one they added no. later? No. Yeah. There, there is a new girl there. <laughs> new girl. Yeah. There is a new sort of girl. Question. Yeah, I, I don't the context. I don't want to like spoil it too much. New waifu it was what you're saying. I hope you know I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the character you're describing, it's, though, it's that you a, liked, the new one is a different yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking It's about. a different character. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the, the 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 girl you mentioned is she's I I can take her leave and she's like okay she's I mean this is not not much spoil you meet her in literally the first the the the, the, the opening the the the, open, the the tutorial of the game um she's she's basically Aegis from Persona Three except dumber oh <laughs> they massacred my girl no <laughs> you're saying they recycled yeah I mean I mean not really but kind of it's that, it's that type of character. What's this girl's name? I need to Google this. Uh, Sophie slash Sophia. It's, I forgot which is which. Which is a deep name, which is a real name. It made it really similar for some reason. But yeah, I don't know. And, and again, like I said, the main story is whatever to me. Um, I, I, I enjoy the, the, the random character interactions a lot more. But this is definitely... A lot fluffier than uh, Persona Five, the original story. Yeah, I'm not liking this character design. <laughs> not, I'm not liking these pigtails. <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't like that either. It's, um, it's fine. It's a it's a fine story. It's a fine game. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's stuck yeah. the the warriors elements, which to me actually, for that, I, I will speak to it. It as much as the, of a bizarre blend that is, you get you get used to it very quickly, and it's not that. It's, it's it's actually much more persona than than, than warriors game in some, what, some somehow and what do you say like the characters they feel like the same characters from persona 5 they don't feel they're like definitely, oh yeah okay yeah, yeah they're so, definitely the same yeah they're definitely the same characters and, and, cool and, 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 and fine um because there's a risk, right, of like a, a, a spin-off game, the characters feel like I don't know, like like I don't know, like seventy-five percent of the same person. They feel like I don't know, kind of watered <laughs> yeah. down. So it's good sure, to hear I mean, that they. I, I think the story itself was watered down, but sure. the characters are fine. Quick question, because I'm going to be honest, I went to the bathroom. Um, are they older? 
in the game? They're like, three months, three months older. Okay, so it's not like it's, what they did. It's, with little, the, it's literally like, summer. Yes. It's oh, not no, like no, the no, no, what no, they no, did with three. the Persona Three people, where like they were like oh, no. in their thirties. <laughs> <laughs> no, no naked uh, boxer or uh, suddenly glow up Ken. Yeah, got it. Uh, no, no, they, they're literally just—it's literally the summer of this, basically the same year. Except, I guess, a couple of them are now in college. <laughs> I think uh, I would like to play this actually, but I should probably play Persona Four at least first. I should play like one of the you know <laughs> mainline games. First. Definitely, def- definitely play Persona Four. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's on the list, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long game. Why, you know, are, you why haven't you finished that game? Why haven't you? Why haven't you poured a hundred fifty hours into? <laughs> Too busy wasting my time in other ways. Like, I still haven't completely finished my second, like, my replay of Persona 4. Then again, I was being stupid and trying to literally 100% that game, so. Oh, my God. Sounds like a lot of guides open. That sounds like... I missed the goddamn book. I missed the goddamn book. (laughs) No. It's ruined. It is kind of ruined. I get it. I love these games. I, I can't go through them more than once <laughs> like it's too it's you know what i'm a hypocrite because you know how many times i've played dragon age inquisition like with 200 hours each i'm so, I'm so full of pleasure. Like, <laughs> well I, I actually feel like kind of the same with this and i guess maybe generally like I, I don't replay games very much but like even like i i don't know if i can even play persona 5 royal because like for me the persona 5 experience was so crystallized and like so complete like I, I don't know. Like I don't. It's hard to go back. Of course, it's hard because yeah. for one thing, it's a really long game. But also, like I just had such a good time. Like I don't want to like I don't know like defile that memory. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm special. <laughs> uh, I just yeah. I We're just, Yeah. I, yeah. Royal. Well, the thing with Royal is I just skip through a bunch of the story because they're, they're fundamentally the same in many parts. Um, yeah, just, I just don't know if I could do that. I know it adds lots of good stuff, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe at some point when like my memory is lost and I can <laughs> revisit it. Uh, all right. Uh, you want to talk about your other game here? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Humankind. I don't know. There's not much to talk about humankind. I played it a little bit uh, over the summer when it came out. It's all right. Um, I feel like all of these types of games. So humankind is this. Uh, 4x uh, strategy again civilizations except it's it's one of those so-called civilization killers that never ended up being any good compared to civilizations <laughs> interesting so yeah so uh, I, I guess this started with a lot of promise right like is something that could sure. really challenge that so wh- why do you think it falls short um i feel like they, 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 it's just not as compelling um like the idea of like so so the, the the whole thing about humankind so you get to basically create your own self um, over time, um, and like by mixing and matching different sets. But the problem is they just they sort of they, the, the way they try to optim they, they try to like give all these different character like characteristics. In the end, there's what what happens with strategy games. You figure out an optimal optimal way to play, right? And in this case, the optimum way is to just select the same kind of the same sets over and over, the same traits over and over again. So, so that eliminates again. a lot of what the game is trying to do. 
at least that was how that was my experience upon launch. Maybe they've since they, I know they've since added a bunch of updates and, and such, and maybe they they changed the formula a little bit. I'm sure they definitely nerfed a few of these options, um, especially early on, which is feel like, why do I choose any other? What's the point of choosing these other? Even thinking about these other choices, one can just do this, 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 and I know it's going to always give them the best. Uh, yeah, and whereas whereas like Civ, what they figured out is very is very is very much they try to they they, they definitely make the Civs each of the Civs a unique experience, um, mm -hmm. and I feel like I think humankind in the end, whatever that's where they fall apart. The, 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 the big idea that they're touting is actually something that goes against what a lot of people want out of the Civ games that they want to play as Russia, they want to play as China, right? Uh, they want to sort of role play those countries. Um, and that's especially true if you go into the paradox games. You want to role play as I don't know. Um, <laughs> you don't just want to be generic civilization with the characteristics of the Mayans in this era, and and plus the the, the Egyptians of that era, plus the Chinese of this of the modern era, right? <laughs> um, right. It just doesn't. It ends up not really feeling like you're role playing when it's yeah. Like it, it, yeah, and it, well, then you can role play. Just the role play doesn't feel special. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like the the sort of it literally feels like an alchemy of like mechanics and setting and all the kind of stuff that actually makes one of these games really addictive and the kind of thing where you want to try all the different civilizations or whatever you want to call them, like all the different yeah. nations, etc. Like what actually makes that fun is like so hard to pin down, and I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think ultimately it's like whatever can make it feel like each each like you're saying each experience is distinctive, and I don't know like like once it gets to like that like one more turn mode where like you just like go into a Zen state where like you, all time loses meaning like like yeah. that's like that's what what they're trying to get to, but it's it's hard to create that effect. I don't know. Well, I mean, you can't get that effect. It's just that it's the, the replay value, right? Yeah, you, so you, you have to just have the next run after that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I got to that with. Like, I usually get to that mode with all strategy games. Like at least the first time through, but it's about like making me want to keep playing as others' choices. Yeah, I think like I think even something like Stellaris has this problem where yeah. because like the things you're role playing don't have like a clear identity to them. Like yeah, like. Like they don't have like a a history or a context where like I kind of can know what it is and what I'm trying to accomplish in a very clear way. Like it, it ends up kind of diluting the experience. I don't know. I guess the same thing might be true here with the ways that they 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 uh, shape the civilizations. They don't have that same kind of grounding to them. It feels like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that might be the the kind of the core problem. But like you're saying. If we know anything about games in this genre, they usually don't launch in a state no. where they're good. <laughs> so, no. There's plenty of no. time and room for this to become something that's fun. Sure. Most likely. Absolutely. All right, cool. Um, all right. Uh, does anyone else have any games they want to mention? That they want to um, Yeah, no, I have a couple. Um, so, yeah, I think, as probably most of you know, I played Mass Effect for the first time this year. Um, and Mass Effect, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah, just <laughs> what, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just uh, just had a blast with with all of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that was fun. I think 
Wait. The second the second one is my favorite. Then. Who's your space waifu? Tell us. Uh, Tali. Good. Um, Good answer. What are yeah, the bad answers? There are none. What are you saying? Okay. <laughs> and then yeah, you, everybody know the true space waifu is Gary. <laughs> <laughs> he calibrates every gun. He calibrates every gun. Yeah. Every gun in existence in the known universe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like I'd already seen, you know, I'd like watched the storylines of, of some of the other characters um, and tallies in all three games. So, like, yeah, we're going with her. <laughs> Good choice. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a blast. Like, two is, two is probably my favorite. Um, I think it has. It has the most uh, interesting storyline from my perspective and kind of like driving force. Um, and I think the the morality stuff is, well, you know, still flawed, like overall is probably best handled in that game um, was kind of my my overall sense of it. Um, and yeah, and then the, the other game I just played recently that I I really wasn't planning on, but, you know kind of bored and heard some good things about it was uh the guardians of the galaxy game um and you know it's relatively short only like only like 20 hours and um the the combat and and gameplay is is pretty much just kind of like serviceable it's it's honestly essentially mass effect without the customization of your individual character um but the main thing i liked is just kind of playing through a a comic storyline and having some fun with these characters kind of in a, a different environment that you, you see them in the films and just kind of got to experience some more comic goodness without actually having to like figure out like what storyline I want to like buy. <laughs> like, yeah, I've never been a big reader of comics just because it's, it's such an annoying, annoying thing to try and, like penetrate and figure out like what stories interest you and 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 yeah. what don't yeah. where do you start the kind of thing yeah 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 this was a really big surprise big i think surprise. i would say i haven't played it yet but the guardians of the galaxy game seems like people just really think it's just a fun really good uh story so i i yeah. could see myself playing it it's interesting kind of relative to the debacle that was the the avengers game that came out Mm-hmm. From uh, the same, well, different developer, but uh, both from the right. same publisher. Enix, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes, my beloved <laughs> Square Enix. Always known for a little bit of controversy on their own. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, cool. Uh, any other games? All right, I will uh, mention my other game. All right, so the other game that I played this year that it did come out this year, but the first time it came out was in 2010. Title. I'm doing it. I played Near Replicant version <laughs> 1.22474487139. That's the name on the box. <laughs> so people have probably heard about Near at this juncture. It's probably that's a game almost people. a Kingdom Hearts title. Almost, <laughs> not quite. Nearly. So Near, you know, is kind of a known game series in the zeitgeist at this point, mostly because of the much acclaimed and much loved Nier Automata, which I also really liked. It's a really great game. Um, It has fantastic music, and it has lots of really cool things in it that make it special and stand out. But 
I think I actually liked Near Replicant more. So just to give context on this one, so this is the first game in this in this series, I guess, sort of. So <laughs> the near the near franchise is an offshoot of a series of games called Drakengard, which I will not get into. I don't really I'm not really deep Nobody not knowing those games. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've looked at them. I probably wouldn't recommend playing them from what I've seen. But uh, I'm not really deep knowing about that, but that's a whole other thing, too. If you want to go deep, deep down the rabbit hole, there are there are relationships between the two that you could chart if you wanted. Um, but yeah, it's all part of the big tapestry of uh, Mr. Yokotaro, who is uh, definitely a person that <laughs> likes to do some weird things. Um, so this is a remaster, essentially, of the 2010 Near Replicant, which itself was one of two games that came out. There was that, and Near Gestalt was the other one. They're essentially the same game, those two, but you play as a different protagonist. And that you play as the so-called dad near <laughs> you play as the dad figure in the relationship you have with with the other core character in it whereas this you play as the so-called brother near um that's in your replicant you play and so this remaster you take up that torch as brother near <laughs> in your journey through this world which is connected um if you're if you're interested in liking Nier Automata, the two are very much connected and you can chart the relationship between the two. They're not that connected. <laughs> so there's, there's a pretty significant uh, time difference between the two. But you will notice at least one character, um, that, that it, or at least a few characters, actually, that, that, that are the same across them. And it's fun to, uh, to chart the paths and the relationships and where they got from here to there. So yeah, this, this happens before. This happens, everything that happens here happens before a near automata. Um, so I think for me, like, if you if you know near automata, you know the kind of way it, it lays itself out. It's very similar, where it's pretty much a kind of like a simple kind of RPG kind of thing where you go around, you do quests, you do side quests. A lot of the side quests are pretty simple and boring side quests. But in a way, that kind of serves to establish the mood of these games, the sort of like existential sort of hopelessness that you feel as you like go and gather, gather the three bird eggs and you learn that the person you're gathering them for died or something. <laughs> That's very much part of the near feeling is is just the, the, the gnawing dread of the abyss as you play more and more and you realize how hopeless and meaningless everything you're doing is. Um, and that's definitely present here, and it, it does a good job with that. Um, but I think, for me, the thing that makes this actually a game I liked more than your Automata, which most people probably wouldn't say, is it the characters in this game are outstanding. Like, it's, it's a, just a really, really fun group, and it takes a bit to get to that point, so... This is the kind of game where you have to say the thing where like you gotta you gotta get a few hours in before it really hits its stride. But once you have the crew assembled, the relationships fall in place, it is great. So you have um just to name the other characters, I won't say too much about them. You have uh Kaine, um, who is just a very angry person, <laughs> but in a very fun way. Um you have Grimoire, um I, Grimoire Noir. <laughs> I'm trying to say that. Editors note here that I actually meant to say Grimoire Vice there. My bad. He is a floating book, and he's very snarky. Um, 
So essentially, a lot of it is the sort of banter between those two characters and the ways that they butt heads, and it's just all really delightful. Um, and you also have Emil, who is just a, a delightful person who just kind of counterbalances their anger with just being a very positive, nice individual. And you may recognize uh, that name from uh, Near Automata if you've played that. Um, so just the combination of all those people, it, it just leads to just a really fun, I don't know, enjoyable RPG party. I'll say that a lot of what makes it come across so well is the voice acting. So... Um, Kaine, that character, uh, is played by Laura Bailey, who you've probably heard of, and Grimoire Noir is played by uh, Liam O'Brien, who you've probably heard of. Uh, and this, yeah, Crit Roll Crew. Yeah, yeah, you may have heard of these people. They've done some stuff. Um, <laughs> but I actually think this, like, you know, there's, there's plenty of room uh, for uh, debate there, but I actually think this might be their best performances uh, in video games. I think, like, just the the way that they make these characters come across is so effective, is so strong. Like, it's very iconic to me of, like, what these actors bring to the table, and it just works so perfectly, especially the way that they those two characters interact with each other. Uh, it just, it hits in a way that, for me, the characters in Nier Automata didn't hit. I like those characters, but I wasn't attached to them. And I wasn't as invested in them, and I wasn't as amused by them <laughs> as I was uh, these people. Like I just really enjoyed this group, and I really enjoyed the process of getting to know them. And as we went down our journey of existential despair, um, I really just enjoyed that path with them. <laughs> and uh, in terms of what this uh, this changes and adds relative to that, um, it it overhauls the graphics in a very significant way. It looks way better. It also overhauls the combat in a way that makes it way more fun to play. I think this is like comparably fun to Nier Automata in terms of gameplay. Maybe a little worse, a little better, depending on your mileage. Um, but it's just, it's typical action combat. It's nothing nothing surprising, but it's it's fun. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time. It also, key, this is a key thing it adds. Um, and I guess this is kind of a spoiler, but you know, you kind of need to know this. <laughs> like, there's no way you would uh, get to this point without a little guidance, honestly. So it's kind of essential. But there is a new ending added. Um, so if you know how this this kind of thing works, there's like multiple endings that you have to go through to experience the whole story. Um, so there's a new one, which I found really appealing and really enjoyable. It's a, it's, a, it's an addition that if I had not, or if I had played the original back when it came out, I would have been so lost without this. Like, this really, like, ties it together in a way. But I guess that's kind of the point with this series. Like, the original ending is such a downer, <laughs> which I guess is was the point back in the day. But it feels like there's a little bit more hope and joy to be had, perhaps, until it becomes sad and painful again. <laughs> so that's what that adds. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, you, you know, near, but I would say, like, this game kind of uh, wasn't nearly as much of a thing as Automata was, and I'm just here to carry its torch a little bit and say this is also a really good experience. So if you like that, I would say you'd, li- you'd like this, but I guess if you just like the androids and the butts and stuff, maybe less, but this does have butts also, like, kind of wears oh, yeah. nothing, so yeah, it's yeah. still there. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. It's a little less, but it's the it's still there. You know, Yoko Taro, he's he, he's still got that. <laughs> Anyone wearing sexy blindfolds? Uh, there's no sexy blindfolds that I remember. I think, yeah. But uh, there, yeah, she's she wears like a completely ruined dress, and yeah. So. <laughs> I yeah, so I, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's better than Automata. I'm staking that claim, um, but not everyone's gonna agree with me. 
All right. Uh, anything else? So I think everyone said what they want to say. I like how if you try to search Google search for Kainé, you also get Team Kane, and you have two pictures of Team Kane and Kainé next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> uh, I'll mention one more game that uh, that I played and liked this year, which was uh, It Takes Two, the latest mm. latest game from. Uh, Joseph Ferris, um, who is kind of game of cart- the year, game of the year by the game, game of the year, man. Um, so he's kind of carved out this niche of like co-op experiences that you can play, and this game was outstanding on that front. Like it's just really fun co-op gameplay. Like it just it presents all these different kinds of uh, gameplay experiences for you. And if you're the kind of person who's looking for this kind of game to play with someone else, it's perfectly fills that niche. It's a great time. It's really fun. I will say, like, I didn't really love the story of the game that much. It has lots of great, funny, enjoyable moments, but the overall kind of plot of it I thought was kind of lacking, but it's still just a really fun time. So if you want that kind of game, I would recommend it for sure. Yeah, I, I watched the playthrough. Of no, it. not it looks, the Mary-Kate Nash movie. <laughs> it, looked, <laughs> sorry. it looks pretty fun. It's fun. To actually play it, you need a friend. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a... Right. Story. Yeah, I guess, yeah, for me, I, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. And also, like, you know, a, 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 a console that is attached to multiplayer. <laughs> right. Do not have a PS4 multiplayer account. <laughs> Never have. Yeah, I, I would just say, like, I really appreciate the stuff that this company is doing. Like, I, I for me, I think my favorite game is still their first game. Which I guess it was, like, a different company. I don't know, maybe it switched at some point. But uh, Brothers, that game that people have probably heard of. <laughs> Brothers of Tales. Yeah, yeah, they got purchased by Microsoft, right? Yeah, I think so. Something like that happened. Um, but yeah, that's still probably my favorite. But these co-op experiences are really fun. It's really fun to see how they have kind of evolved that over time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. So with that said, let's go ahead and talk about some of the stuff in our upcoming year, 2022. Let's Elden go. Ring. Elden Ring. <laughs> I don't even happened. know what that game is anymore. Do they have George in a cage? Are they tasing him? What's going on? <laughs> awesome. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, he, George R. Martin is the person with the story, by the way, probably. And that's what I assume his involvement <laughs> is. In this game. <laughs> Simulation. Play as George R. Martin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you get to finish writing the book in the game. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Elden Ring. It's it's a thing. It's coming out soon. This is a game we know. Hopefully, cross your fingers. It's coming out pretty soon here. It is going to be another game in the pantheon of From Software. Which, if you're into that, you're into that. I'm into that. Matt, you're into that. We're playing. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean that the the demo or whatever looked <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I, the big evolution with it, right, is this kind of op- more open world, which will be fun. I think that could work really well with the the core core gameplay that uh that they do. So I'm looking forward to trying that out. The, the added me- added mechanics kind of like fit into what I like to do. I mean, I play, I play, I play these games as like the beefy strength guy. Uh, so a block parry is awesome <laughs> for me personally um and it looks like they're encouraging more like hybrid builds with magic and stuff and so i'm really i'm really looking forward to all of that 
Yeah, I think I think the conversation piece that I've heard on this is like people are like, mm, I don't know, it kind of just looks like more Dark Souls, and I'm just like, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. I would love that. Um, so I guess like the issue is like it has a different name, and people are like this should be something different, especially because Sekiro is such a different game. I guess people expect them to like go in a very different direction, but I don't know. Like I, I that, that core experience is so good that. I don't mind if they take that and then just like do literal iterative changes. And of course, like again, like the open world should make it feel pretty different, I would say. So I think it'll be good. We'll see though. Uh also got Horizon Forbidden West on here. Anyone looking forward to that? I mean, yeah, me. Because yeah, I mean that's that seems to be the the first one that's gonna come out here. I guess like the current date is in like February, I think. Um we'll see if that comes to fruition. Of course, you know. That well, I mean, yeah. This this was the game I was kind of like waiting for to actually like look for a PS5, um, which I'll probably still try to do, even though uh, like even though it like it's gotten so bad that like they're releasing both this and I think God of War on PS4 too. So we'll see how that goes. Delightful, delightful times we live in. Yeah, <laughs> fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played the first one yet. Again, really should play it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like something about it never really inspired me. Like I don't know. Like I don't like dinosaurs to be honest. That might be the issue. Wow. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can just leave this call. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I might be done. I might have ruined all my credibility. <laughs> Robo dinosaurs. How did this happen? Like, who did this to the world? Like, invented millions of robot dinos <laughs> to take <laughs> over the planet. No spoilers. I haven't yeah, played it, is, so I have, I have no idea. I'm about to say, yeah, man, that is kind of like one of the major story points of, of the first game, is figuring who, all that out. Yeah, who built these dinosaurs, <laughs> and can we kill them? <laughs> Answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, ostensibly, we'll be getting God of War Ragnarok. I say this one with a little more trepidation, but it seems like it will come out. I loved the 2018 God of War. Really loved it. And this might be another case where it might have the issue of like, oh, it just looks like the same thing over again. But I like that. I'm, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, yeah, like we're getting, you know, we're getting Thor and, you know, who knows who else. Like, um... yeah, it's just a really good refined gameplay formula. And the characters are fun. And I look forward to seeing the next step in the dream. That's yeah, good. Um, Breath of the Wild 2. I don't think this will actually come out this year. But uh, I'll play it. When it does, I liked Breath of the Wild a lot. Final Fantasy 16. Also, don't think that'll come out this year. We we didn't hear anything about this game this year. We got like the original tease last year, but we didn't hear anything this year. So it seems like it might be a ways away. I guess the addendum I'll add to this game is that I uh, I fell into the rabbit hole of playing Final Fantasy 14 this year. Oh the no! MMO. I'm sorry. The MMO. Oh no! I'm playing an MMO again for the for the first time in years, which uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it actually, I will say, and a new expansion for this game came out like a week ago, which I've played at this point. Um, and I will say that I actually think Final Fantasy XIV has the best story of any Final Fantasy game, which surprised me, of what? course. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say that. Um, it, which surprised me, surprised me, of course, because it's an MMO and you don't expect those to have good stories. But I think it's particular to the Final Fantasy thing where 
for me, like, no Final Fantasy game has, like, a great story, <laughs> to be honest, like, on a plot level. Um, but they all have great characters, right? Like, the characters are what you get attached to, hopefully. Um, they don't always have great characters, but in this case, this game had great characters, and you get so attached to them, right? Because you're playing through hundreds of hours of expansion stories of the course of that were created over the course of years and it it adds up to you feeling so invested in the journey and getting along with these people and making that path and for that reason it just ended up really working in this context of being this mmo story and i think it actually was better written i would say than the other final fantasies um so (laughs) well that's actually not that hard now that i think about it right yeah i would actually say it and i think it's impressive on that front and this game is kind of made under the same development umbrella, I think, overall, as that, as opposed to some of the other ones that have made um, some of the other games. So I'm kind of curious to see how that carries over, if it, if it at all, into Final Fantasy XVI. Did you play as a, a bunny person, Zach? Oh, no, I played as a dragon girl. Oh. Yeah, I did not play as a bunny. Or a cat. Interesting. Now you can now <laughs> play as bunny boys. Oh! <gasps> Yes, I might just have to sign Yes, it. you can. I think do, you would love that, Katie, actually. Do they wear stilettos? Like the, they like, can. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other uh, anticipated games? Is Victoria stream next year? or? I think so, actually. I think I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, we'll see about that one. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a game with a lot of fun historical themes that... Um, Hopefully, Victoria 3 will not be as completely uh, bizarre and completely unaided. Like, like EU4 is already a hard game to get into for par- even for Paradox fans. Victoria 2 was a huge, just different animal altogether. Right. Just we'll see if Victoria 3 actually makes like, players who don't play Paradox games want to play it. <laughs> It's that kind of balance of that and also trying to create the kind of core gameplay experience that does get you attached to it and has depth and Mm -hmm. has fascination um, to it. So, you know, I'll say, like I've said this before, I'm fully indoctrinated into the paradox uh, thing. I think you played played more hours of EU4 this year than me. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I kind of stopped playing after the last DLC. Yeah. but, uh, I see how many. I think I'm off the drip now. I'm off the drip now. I think, but okay. but I'll, I'll eagerly uh, play the next thing that they release. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting with this one because again, we've established these games when they come out, they don't always hit at first. Um, but also, this game is seemingly using a lot of the systems that Stellaris established, which you know, like I'm not sure if that will work, but I think it actually will work better in that context than it does in Stellaris. So it'll be interesting um, to see. And I, I like you're saying, like the historical context to me is actually one of the more appealing ones, like the sort of the Victorian era, of course, but also like the, just the general like events and situations of that period of time, like, like 1800, 1900 kind of period. So I'm excited to experience that. Slavery and imperialism simulator. I love imperialism. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's only true if you play Paradox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other things you want to mention? What What was the name of that game you mentioned, Bing? I want oh, to look it up. On uh, PlayStation. First, the, the oh, Return of the Obra Dinn. Return, Return of the Obra Dinn. 
O B R A D I N N. O B R A something or whatever. Okay. Gonna look that game up. <sighs> More people should play that game. It's excellent. Yeah. This is actually a game I confidently say I will play. <laughs> um, I will be very interested in following that along and how, how you play that game. I can talk to you about it. If I ever escape that, well, that is. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. It's, it's, the two, early 2000s are back. Except now, 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 instead of playing as like, or, like, like, like orcs, you play as bunny boys. This is the way. Um, <laughs> Uh, any other anticipated games? What else is out? <laughs> no, I don't keep. Playing. I mean, yeah, there were there were some trailers, you know, last night or whatever, or whenever those game awards were. But like, you know, that's for that's for stuff way too far in the future. They shouldn't have released that yeah. shit. <laughs> I wasn't too inspired by a lot of it. Like, I'm maybe interested in the the Dune or X thing, but we don't know anything about that. So, yeah. Kitty, how much yeah. do we know about Dragon Age at this point? <laughs> well, not a lot. We know concept art, and we know the dissertation that I wrote about the concept art. <laughs> um, but other than, it's not coming out next year. It has to be 20. I would be scared if it came out next year. It has to be 2023. Yeah, I mean, the latest news on this game is they, they fired another game director. Or they yeah, or they left. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as the yeah. way Bioware. Yeah, I'm looking at this list on Wikipedia. The only... Oh, Bayonetta 3, I guess. Hmm. I haven't played those, but I'm sure people are excited about it. Uh, I mean, some of these. I, I'm not playing Diablo Immortal. That's the fun game. <laughs> yeah, no. I played a little bit of Kerbal Space Program. So two yeah. Kerbal Two sounds like a good good time. Yeah, I've heard only good things about that as far as, you know, yeah. being the, the fun disaster engine of learning how to build a spaceship. <laughs> like, that game seems like homework. <laughs> it does I didn't. I didn't. I didn't play a lot of it because by, eventually it does seem like it was too much math for me. <laughs> People like doing homework. Yeah, I definitely watched Giant Bomb play it, and I was like, "This is this <laughs> like them trying to like figure out how to like jump between two spaceships passing in orbit." <laughs> like, yeah, too much. Too much. I love that trailer for the second one. That's a great trailer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, like, I'm trying not to, like, get too ahead of myself with stuff until we know release dates and things. What is Dune Space Wars? Wait, what, what'd you say? That, that Dune Space, uh, Spice Wars. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's the, the Dune 4X thing they announced that a couple days ago. We don't know shit oh, about okay. it. We oh, know okay. We know nothing. But it's gonna be a 4X <laughs> game, I guess, so maybe it'll be... That, that sounds like something I would be into. Yeah. I guess the question is, is it, is it any good? It's made by the that's, people who... I, don't know. I was going to just say, it's made by the people who made uh, Northgard. I haven't played that. I've, I've heard of it, but... David Cage is working on a Star Wars game. Uh, <laughs> we learned about that, all. that one. Will there be a weird scene where a woman fights off like, ten men in her underwear? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Symbol. There's going to be a lot of very smart symbolism. <laughs> oh, that's literally a person saying this is a smart symbolism it's a weird fit with Star Wars but we'll oh yeah it's totally I think Bing heard me mention this on a previous podcast we did but I, I'm just like lost right now in what Star Wars even is I'm just like adrift on like what is Star Wars anymore so I, I'm just kind of confused about anything 
in that franchise. <laughs> Understandable. It's Palpatine had children, which means he <laughs> like <laughs> Palpatine fucks, baby. <laughs> I think that's probably what spiraled me, probably that information. <laughs> yeah. Ray's parents sold her to save her. Money was transferred between parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. All of you. And finally, all of you can jo- maybe enjoy Persona 5. Persona 4 Arena Automax and then enjoy a fighting game. It's a fighting game. Characters. Oh, oh, I'll say I played a fighting game this year, which I don't normally do. Hmm. I played Guilty Gear. Strive. And uh, I'm bad at it. I'm really bad. But it's (laughs) fun. It's got really nice character designs. Lots of lewd ones, too. But um, really fun, good-looking game. Plays well, and it has outstanding music, which I, is my favorite thing in games. So I've mostly played it because it's good music. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Looking at all like the a long list of stuff coming out this year, next year it's it's kind of barren. I mean, there's a lot of big ones in theory, but I think we just don't know a lot, and I think it makes sense probably because people don't really know what their production schedule is going to be for a lot yeah. of stuff. So it's fine. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll get a better picture um, as the year goes along. Of what actually will come out. Like there's lots of things in the ether that I'm excited about, but I just, I'm not pinning a date on any of them yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. In All certain right. times. Yes, they are. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other just final thoughts, comments on, uh, on video games, on these things that we play. Nope. <laughs> we're good. I think I'm just mostly done with big companies and just playing more and more indie stuff these days. Yeah, for me, it's not even like a very intentional thing. It's just, yeah. it's just what's drawing my attention. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not like trying to avoid that stuff, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not that interested in a lot of the big games, for, for the most part. The best video game thing that came out this year was Arcane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, adjacent. Yeah, out of out of nowhere. Like, would have thought. Yeah, isn't Riot like a shitty company too? Oh like, yeah. Yep. yeah that's what I thought. Where it's just like it sucks that it's associated with them, but like the shit is really good. Yeah. Thank you guys for this this discussion. This was perhaps you know the video game industry is kind of a mess right now, so our podcast probably reflected that in some way. Yeah. <laughs> We still love games. We're still really good. I was about to say that's why, like, that's perfect for us, man. Because <laughs> we're just a mess naturally. Naturally, we sure. But yeah, there's lots, still lots of really good games that we've played and enjoyed, and there still exists. So yeah, we'll hope for a better future, better good stuff. But otherwise, thank you guys for coming on and uh, chatting with me about this stuff. I've really loved this stuff, yeah. and I appreciate you guys taking the time to chat about it for sure. So appreciate that. Um, I hope that uh, we can keep going with this and uh, figure out other fun things to, fun games to enjoy and talk about. So thank you again. If you want to check out more VOK stuff, you can do so at VOKpodcast.com. You can uh, check out on all our social medias, things that are posted, our podcasts and things like that. Uh, And you can find us on Discord where we do our chatting mostly at this point in time. And you can find links to that on those social medias as well. Cool. Uh, Thank you guys again. And we'll be back with more fun content very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Later.
Asenlad, Erin Spohr.